Well, happy uh, Mother's Day again to all of you moms out there, as well as those moms who are listening online, particularly you, mom, in Georgia. I know you're listening this afternoon from the comfort of your house, so happy Mother's Day. I love you. Um, a few days ago, I received a call from my mom. Uh, or actually, I called her because it was her birthday, and I was calling to wish her a happy birthday, and that call quickly turned into a tech repair session over the phone. Have you ever, some of you who are younger, have you ever had that happen from mom or dad? Um, I actually uh, was just, you know, calling to check in on them, and, you know, as I'm about 15, 20 minutes in the conversation, my mom spills the beans. She actually shares with me that the Wi-Fi extender that she asked me to buy her for Christmas last year because she wanted her iPad to work in other parts of the house, it was still in the box, and she didn't know what to do with it. She said, Dave, I'm afraid to plug it in because if I do, she says, these are her words, I'm going to break my computer and I'm going to break the internet. I didn't know that was possible. But evidently she was concerned that it was. So I patiently walked her through the process of taking it out and plugging it in and getting it started. And that conversation went over an hour because I could not, she could not figure out. She says, I did everything you said. It still doesn't work. And finally I figured out, well, she needs the password to the Wi-Fi. And the password she kept putting in was the wrong password. And after all this searching around the house, we've come to find we don't know what the password is. So we have a wonderful Wi-Fi extender in the house at home that doesn't work because mom can't figure out what her password is. And dad can't either. So at that point, we moved on to the television because my mom bought a smart TV years ago because she wanted to watch Netflix from the comfort of her TV and not have to watch it uh, in any other way. Actually... I couldn't, actually, I couldn't believe this. She actually still was getting the DVDs in the mail from Netflix. I didn't even know that was possible anymore. I thought that was gone like 10 years ago. But evidently, they still have a deal with Netflix. And so she's like, I want to be able to just play it through this TV. The TV is supposed to be able to do that. So that conversation was quite stressful. Because I finally ended up going online, downloading the television manual and the manual for how to work the remote. I had to convince her that there were buttons on her remote that she didn't believe that were there that she could push, including one that was labeled P2, that was going to make Netflix work for her. So we finally got the thing to work, and she was so excited. She sent me a text that night. She, was so, she and Dad were so excited. They were watching some show called Highway Men, which I didn't even know was a thing. But she, was, she just called to thank me that they could watch Netflix from the comfort of their smart TV because it's now smart. It knows how to play Netflix. And just in case I didn't lose perspective in our older age, my mom reminded me shortly after that from another text that the real tough patience-required lessons, like teaching me how to tie my shoes... That came from her. (laughs) I had been told that I would scream and cry and pitch a fit in the middle of the floor when she made me tie my shoes as a condition to go out outside with her, which which is a slanderous allegation that I can neither confirm or deny. I still hate tying my shoes. In fact, I double knot every one of my shoes so I don't have to do so. And I, even, I still don't even know how to tie a tie. My wife inherited that job from my mom years ago. You know, it's funny. <laughs> some of the things our kids put us through, isn't it? And some of the things we put our parents through as kids, when you think about it. You know, I recently heard about one kid who helped his mom shred some old documents one day. 
And a few days later, he thought he would be super helpful by shredding some more documents without her help. You see, he found this envelope full of useless, small, green pieces of paper. And they all looked the same, so surely she didn't need them all. Until Mom frantically started searching for the envelope with more than $1,000 in it that she had hidden to pay an important bill. Well, she eventually found the cash inside the shredder. But I'm sure your mom or those whoever raised you couldn't relate to what I'm describing at all because you, was a per- you were the perfect little angel, weren't you? Right? You never did anything wrong? Take a look at this. I'm sorry, Mom, for all the endless piles of laundry. Arms up. I'm sorry for not giving you one moment of silence. I'm sorry for everything. I'm sorry, Mom, for all those times that I came home late. Sorry for always fighting with my brother. For treating you like an ATM machine. For breaking your heart over and over by thinking I knew better. Parenting is the hardest thing I've ever done. But I've learned how to do it from you. Thank you for teaching me. That giving of myself is the strongest way to live. That allowing my kids to fail will teach them the greatest lesson. Thank you. For teaching me that I can go one more day. That parenting is the greatest honor in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You know, being a parent can be exasperating sometimes, but hopefully it's not so exasperating that you're looking forward to the title of my message this morning and thinking what you think I'm thinking. The title of my message is Preparing Our Children for Adoption. (laughs) But those of you who have kids at home, I'm not encouraging you to give your kids up to adoption to get your life back. But I'm instead encouraging you to invest more of your time during this critical season of their lives to really prepare them to be adopted by their Heavenly Father. That's the language that the Apostle Paul used anyway in his letter to the Galatians. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been, through a, we've been in a series called Decluttering Christianity, where we're learning that for every period of history since Christ came, Christians have been guilty of confusing and cluttering up Christianity by adding expectations to people who are considering a relationship with Christ. That message is especially cluttered up and misunderstood by American kids, even those who have attended church. Many parents assume that if they, if they drop their kids off on a Sunday morning in a, a kid's Sunday school class or bring them to youth group, that that will be sufficient to preparing their kids for the challenges that they're going to face when they're older. But when a well-known Christian youth organization started recently studying a while back what, college stu- what church students going into college said about what it means to be a Christian, it was quite a reality check. They were, these college students were asked, what does it mean to be a Christian? And over a third of them didn't even mention Jesus. Most of them used words that basically described their faith as sin management. It was a way to, mom and dad taught me all the things I should or shouldn't do in life. 
which is a horrible way to express faith. So when that faith is it's challenged in college or as a young adult, for many of them, that faith just crumbles, right? Half of students who were raised in the church, when they go to college, they leave their faith behind. And only half of them ever pick it back up again at some point later as an adult. In Galatians, Paul told those who were a part of some of the first Christian churches ever started in the region of Galatia that God's desire was to adopt us as his own children. Let me show you what I mean by that. I encourage you, turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3 this morning. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can go on your smartphone or tablet to mygrace.church. Click on the Messages tab there and you can follow along with the Scriptures there this morning. As you're turning there, let me just share this. God, God entrusts many of us in life at some point with children. About three-fourths of people on the planet today will end at some point in their lives have children of their own. That responsibility goes beyond just providing for them or even re- making sure they understand that they are loved unconditionally. It's also about helping them understand that they are loved by their Heavenly Father as well. So the, the process of parenting is a process where children are prepared to be adults where they're not dependent on us anymore so much as it's a process where we prepare them to be dependent on their heavenly father. Where they don't have to figure all those things out as adults on their own. You might say our role as moms and dads is essentially to prepare them for adoption. Now, the earlier that process starts with us as parents, with our kids, the more, and the more people that we get involved in the church to help in that process, the better. In that respect, this message is for every one of you here this morning, not just for those of you who happen to have kids, because God has placed within your midst kids that you can pour into, that you can be spiritual parents to, to help them see Christ through you, through the course of your life. It's a responsibility we can't take lightly. As a staff here at Grace Community Church, I have to tell you, we at best have your kid maybe one hour, possibly two a week in a large group setting. What we can do to pour into your kids, we do the best we can, but it is far from sufficient. It takes all of us in the body of Christ, and it especially takes you as a parent pouring into them to help them to know Jesus for who he truly is. Paul speaks to us as moms and dads, but he also speaks to us as kids. Children all loved by a God who had a far better plan than just trying to teach us sin management. Look at Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 23. Paul says, Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, We were placed under guard by the law. That's how Paul describes it. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. And he says, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. You see the the temporary nature of God's rules, of God's law here? It's intriguing to me how Paul, 2,000 years ago, compared God's law, God's rules, to a temporary subpar parent or guardian. You know, in ancient times, this, was, this would have been 
really understood by those who were hearing Paul's message because oftentimes, you know, parents would, would place other people in the charge of raising their kids partly or completely for them. And so there was this idea of, well, they, they will love my kids, but they won't love them as well as I really would. And there was a tension there. This version of verse 23 that I just read to you, it actually uses the words protective custody. Did you see that? Now, actually, I went back and looked at this in a little more detail. The original Greek word that Paul uses here is a little more harsh than that. It's actually a word that references back then a, a prison or military guard. He's equating the law, God's rules, to bondage and a terrible taskmaster. Paul, Paul explains a little bit further in the first verse of chapter 4. He says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way, he says, that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. He says the law is like a guardian and that it lays down some rules for us to live by. But those rules, he says, they don't bring us life because we can't possibly live up to their standard. Without Christ, the law only reminds us about how broken and how messed up we are. The law doesn't even give us the ability to get rid of these urges we have to sin and to break the law at different times in our lives, does it? It, it's, like, it's like at home with our own children. We set rules for the house, right, and for our kids to live by, and we set consequences for them not doing so. But those laws, those consequences do a poor job of taking away the urges that our kids have to break the rules, right? When I was a kid, there was always this looming threat of a spanking that was over my brother and I, if we, didn't, if we didn't follow the rules of the house. Now, mostly, there were a lot of times when I have to admit, thinking about what would happen, think of those consequences, did curb my sinful nature just a little bit. But mostly what it did is it just created in me a desire to figure out how to get around the rules without getting caught. Right? And my parents would spank me, and they would say this phrase so many times. They would say, this is going to hurt me far more can you finish the sentence? Then it hurts you, right? What is that? How many of you heard that one? Raise your hands. How many of you actually believed that one? Well, one of you did. Okay. I think I made my point. You know, I never felt... Every time they said that, you know, I never felt empathy for my mom and dad. It wasn't like in that moment as I was getting ready to get my, my behind popped that I thought, oh, I can't imagine what I must be putting my parents through. Right? I mean, that just didn't cross my mind, no matter how many times they said it. And that, that whipper never once drew me into a closer relationship with my mom or my dad. It really didn't. Similarly, we can point to the Bible. We can point to the Ten Commandments. We can point to all the thou shalts and thou shalt nots. And those things are useful for our kids to know. We, we want to instill them what it means to understand God's law, God's plan for our lives. But listen, please hear me this morning. If we don't teach them about Christ, if we don't teach them how much 
that God loves them and how God wants to develop a relationship with them, then we've just simply taught them that Christianity is about a bunch, following a bunch of rules under God's house. And rules without relationship leads to rebellion. It's why kids misunderstand Christian faith as a list of do's and don'ts so oftentimes. It's sin management, basically. And that, that kind of faith doesn't last. It doesn't do anything to help them learn how to develop a relationship with Christ to sustain them and to help them to understand how irresistible that relentless love of God that we sang about truly is. In their lives. Satan tries to use the law to accuse and ultimately drive you to despair and death. God intended the law to reveal a path toward human flourishing, to reveal sin, and to point our way toward Christ. Satan tries to use the law to bring bondage. God wants the law to be a stepping stone to liberty, and it's the only way possible. The only way that it is possible is through a relationship with Christ. Look at uh, verse 25 in chapter 3. He says this. He says, and now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through your faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, listen, you, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Because God has provided another way that isn't dependent on being perfectly sinless to build a relationship with God, which is... Impossible, right? We also are no longer we also no longer have to fear God. And we don't even have to fear being punished for breaking God's law because as Paul describes, Christ has taken the punishment for us. We don't even have to deal with that anymore. In fact, verse twenty six says that through our acceptance of Christ, his love and his grace, we are adopted as God's children. He he speaks of baptism here in verse twenty seven. Right, which isn't just some meaningless ritual. Paul is basically painting the picture. This is like when we get baptized, it's like God signing the adoption papers in our life. We are God's children from the moment we accept Christ and we accept God's love and his lordship in our lives as our heavenly father. But baptism makes it public and official to those around us. And that's why it's so important. Let me encourage you. If you've, if you've made a decision to follow Christ at, at some point in your life, but you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you to take that step of faith. Uh, feel free, in the, in the bottom of the message notes, there's a place where you can look, for you to basically send me a note. Send me a note and let me know you'd like to get baptized. I would love the honor and privilege of doing that for you in the weeks ahead. But, you know, I also like verses 28 and 29 here, how it describes our relationship with, with God. And it says there is no hierarchy. In other words, there are no God doesn't play favorites with his kids. God doesn't have a preference based on race or rank or nationality or sex or anything else. 
Now, that might not seem like an earth-shattering statement to you. It might seem kind of, you know, normative that you'd say, well, that's what God should say. But let me tell you, that, that, those two verses were earth-shattering back in the first century. It was unheard of. They lived in a culture where there was no equality like that. This was a time when women were seen as property and unintelligent, when people were treated differently based on what citizenship they had in which country. And slaves were in no way seen as equal to those who weren't. In fact, listen to the beautiful way that Paul puts this in verse 4 of chapter 4. He says, But when the, light, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but you are God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Paul says, you can go from being a slave to being God's child and being his heir. And this adoption doesn't come cheap. It comes at the price of Christ on a cross. But it is well worth it for you and for your children. Paul says, then we would no longer be slaves in bondage to sin, but we have God's spirit in us to guide us. We no longer have to... uh, Work at sin management because the Holy Spirit is living within us to guide us and help us through those moments in our lives. So, for those of you who are here this morning, moms, dads especially, let me ask you, what can we learn from what Paul is telling us this morning? I want to close by sharing with you three key things that I think are so important as takeaways from this this morning. Number one, teach your kids what it means to be in Christ. Not what it means to know about Christ. Not what it means to follow all the rules. But what it means to truly be in Christ. To know what it means to be loved unconditionally by their Heavenly Father. To have a relationship with Christ where they find value in the spiritual disciplines because those things help cultivate and grow that relationship between them and God. Like Disciplines like prayer, like Bible meditation, like silence, which is unheard of, right, for our kids today. Like personal examination and listening to God. Did you know that less than one teenager in ten in America today who are raised in church actually had their a mom or a dad reading the Bible with them or reading a devotion with them on a regular basis? I'd also encourage you as part of this, ask your kids What is it that helps you grow in your relationship with God as they get older and create space in their week to do that with them? Rather than just helping them see what you do, enter into that relationship with God with them. Talk to your kids about faith and life issues. One of the things that this study that I was just talking about earlier revealed that was kind of a shock was that it said moms, only 12% of moms actually talk with their kids about faith and life issues. 12%. And dads, only 5% of us talk with our kids about those important things. Our culture finds so much value in 
instilling in our kids the importance of sports and extracurricular activities. And we can run from place to place every day and every night trying to provide our kids all the opportunities that we perhaps never had. And those things are good. Please hear me. But if they keep you and your family so busy that it's not balanced at home with times of rest, with times in just being, just having downtime with you guys as parents. And you have to ask yourself at the end of the day, is all that activity really worth it? Your, your kids, your grandkids, for those, some of you who are in the audience today who that would apply to, they, they need to see a relationship with God in you that's more than just a worldview or a set of religious beliefs but a relationship that you deeply value and you rely on yourself each and every day. And they see that happening in your life. At Grace, we will continue to partner with you to help your kids learn ways to connect with God by worshiping here on Sunday mornings. And I just encourage you again, on Sunday mornings in any of our worship services, your kids, regardless of the age, are welcome in here. They are also more than welcome in children's ministry. We want to empower you as parents to find that right place, that right space each and every Sunday, whether they're in here part of the service or all of it. It doesn't matter, but we want to be able to create this space in here for you to be able to worship with them and they can see your connection with God as well. It's also while we'll continue here at Grace to offer serving opportunities. Every fifth Sunday here at Grace, we will continue to offer just one service at 9 o'clock where you can come in and worship with your kids. But then after that, rather than having a 1045 service, we would encourage you to go with your kids if they're still at home, with us out into the community to serve our city and help your, our kids see the importance of serving others, to help them see the importance of loving their neighbor as themselves. And to find value in working side by side with adults of all different ages and generations. Because what we've learned in the last few years through some of the studies that have been done is that for kids' faith to stick into adulthood as children, they need at least five relationships with adults within their local church who connect with them on a fairly regular basis. There's more information about that in a series of brochures that we published not too long ago called Falling in Love with God at Grace. And they're at the Guest Services Center. There's a version for adults and families. There's a version for students. And there's even a version we've done for kids. And you can feel free to grab as many of those as you want to use with your kids or your grandkids at any time to kind of have some of these conversations with them. The second thing that I would encourage you to be thinking about this morning is this. Convince your kids, as hard as it might be, at times, that your love for them is unconditional. That your love for them is unconditional. You might think that you've told them that you love them enough all these years. But I have to ask you, is that, are you sure that message has gotten through? It's important as your child gets closer to adulthood that in, there are so many arenas where they will have an opportunity to fail. And listen, it, it, it takes more than words for them to know that you love them. It takes relying on God's wisdom through their biggest mistakes and determining how to reinforce that love, even through times of discipline. We model an unconditional and not judgmental and even a long-suffering kind of love in seasons of their lives so that they are convinced 
that nothing jeopardizes or lessens that love. It's easier said than done, though, right? And lastly, I'd share this with you. As you are intentional in disciplining your kids, please be careful to put more and more trust yourself in their Heavenly Father. You know, some of us, for some of us who are parents, trusting this process in our kids can be hard. We've gone through this uh, a couple of times. We're still going through this with our son. And I tell you, it's, at times it's hard. At times we want to just control every little aspect of his environment to keep him on the straight and narrow. We want, we want specific outcomes in his life that are immediate and measurable. And that doesn't always happen that way, does it? Proverbs 22, verse 6, reminds us to trust the work of God in their lives as we do what we can to prepare them to be adopted by their Heavenly Father. And even when our adult kids are living a life that's contradictory to that, never assume that God isn't actively parenting them. Continue to pray and to trust them into God's care. So may we, over time, teach our kids to not just be dependent on us, but to be dependent more and more on their Heavenly Father. And in the process, let's entrust to God our most precious possession, our children. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for all the moms that are in the audience today. Lord, I thank you for the investment that they have put over months and years into, the, into children. Lord, we ask for your blessing on their lives as they continue to instill in their children a life that is a life that pursues a Heavenly Father who loves them. Lord, I ask that you would be with us in those moments of frustration those moments of confusion, those moments when we don't know what to do as parents. Help us, Lord, to trust you fully. And help us to model, even in our brokenness, what it means to be truly loved by our Heavenly Father. Help us, Lord, to put our kids in a place where they can be adopted by you. And Lord, we pray for those adult kids that are out there that we continue to worry about who aren't following you, who aren't living a life that, that uh, honors you, that, where they haven't experienced your love and your grace in their lives yet. But we ask that that time would come sooner rather than later. 